This episode of The Truth in This Art was brought to you by the generous support of the Gutierrez Memorial Fund. Learn more about their mission and their story at GutierrezMemorialFund.com. Also, this season of The Truth in This Art is supported by the Robert W. Deutsch Foundation. Learn more about their mission and their story at rwdfoundation.org. What's shaking cats and kittens? This is Rob Lee from Truth in This Art, your favorite podcast. Every week, I help share the stories of artists, cultural leaders, and entrepreneurs. Small business is the backbone of a thriving community. So this month, I want to show some extra love to our presenting sponsor and small business, Double Dutch Boutique. For the holidays, remember to shop small, shop local. Double Dutch Boutique carries locally made in Baltimore vendors such as This Sporting Life, Creative King, Black Radish Handmade, and so much more. Head on over to 1021 West 36th Street in Hamden or on the web at www.doubledutchboutique.com and tell them Rob Lee sent you. What's shaking, cats and kittens? Rob Lee here with a special message. So from January 17th through January 21st, 2022, there will be a special contest, a partnership, if you will, with the fine folks over there at Sophomore Coffee and The Truth in His Heart. The contest will be hit over there to Sophomore, buy your favorite drink. Take a picture of that drink, tag me in that picture, and that'll enter you into a contest to get a bag of their delicious beans and a Truth in This Art t-shirt. So you get a win-win. You get something from Rob Lee, you get something from the fine folks at Sophomore, and you get to try a great drink. And on January 20th, now here's the thing, January 20th, head on over to Sophomore and ask for the Rob Lee. It will be on the menu. It will be a special for that day to commemorate your boy's birthday. So head on over to Sophomore, and that's 2023 Maryland Avenue in Baltimore. And welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today I am also the guest. Uh, so today um, I have a uh, former guest, uh, Kelly L. Walker here, and the tables have been turned. I am going to be interviewed on this installment. So for those who may have been asking questions, almost like a mailbag sort of situation, um, I'm in the hot seat. I'm going to be answering questions on uh, this installment of Truth in This Art. So uh, Kelly, take it away. Oh my God, this is so exciting. I've been looking forward to this for weeks, <laughs> preparing my questions. This is great. Um, okay. I'm trying to decide how we start. Um, so let's start with let's start with childhood. Sure. What is your most favorite childhood memory? Um, let's see. Most favorite childhood memory. That is, uh, I want to say it was a maybe a trip to, uh, what is it? Adventure World, uh, Six Flags. It was a trip to Six Flags. It was with it was during the summers, um, like immediate family. It's like my brother, mom, and dad. Uh, one of my uncles and my grandmother. And I just remember we were going up there, and uh, we just had a lot of fun. It was like a nice little summer trip. This was right before I lost my minimal innocence and in going to uh, middle school, so it was kind of setting the stage. Right. But I had terrible cornrows on the trip up there because— <laughs> Did I, somebody I, do them in the vehicle on the way up? My mom did them on the way up, but I miss they say tender-headed and— uh, <laughs> 
and uh, they were very thick because the grade of hair I had was very like thin and curly, and it was just it was something. It was something. I was, and I remember, I look back at those pictures, and I think it's in my uh, social media, it's on my Instagram. So if you see it, it's me wearing a terrible knockoff Tommy Hilfiger shirt. And I'm with my brother, and my dad just looks like he's very happy to be there because he was not. <laughs> oh no! He's like, I'm trying to have fun. You children suck. <laughs> but it was like, and a your good... and your skull is aching and throbbing. <laughs> yes, yes, and I look enormous too. It's just like, huh? I'm bigger than him in this picture. <laughs> so funny. Yes, that was cool. a good childhood memory. Yeah. That is a cool one. It actually flashed me back to some some of my trips, going to amusement parks with my family. Oh yeah. Um, what was your least favorite childhood memory? Um, yeah, like, uh, you know, growing up here, you, you see, you see different things and sometimes you, you kind of grow up early and one memory is just, mm, I remember playing football actually like in the neighborhood, not too far from where I live at currently in East Baltimore. And I just remember we were playing football and <laughs> it was always some, some like dudes down there who, they want to. They see us, you know, having fun. Is like, yeah, I can't play football, and they want to chime in and all of this stuff. So we're kind of just showing off, just like, like talking shit about your yeah, football playing yeah, yeah, abilities, yeah. Yeah. or just saying you can't be on this land. You're just talking shit about uh, football playing abilities, uh-huh. and they thought I was a girl, which was a whole weird sexist thing that was happening. I was like, hmm. And I remember talking shit. And I was like, yeah, you just got beat by a girl, I guess, since that's what you thought I was or whatever. I was like, also, you suck. And was I, this with cornrows or without cornrows? Um, this was when I was at my more bustier stage with cornrows. So it was, it was, it was a very interesting time for me, body-wise. body, body wise. Uh, But the thing that made it really weird, like, that was just kind of, like, par for the course. I was a big kid, so it was, like, you're a target to talk shit to. Um, but I'll say there was... Um, we, we, I remember I was messing with one of my friends, and I threw a football over there where this... The football that we had over there to... It was just, like, an abandoned building. Or the remains of an abandoned building. There was a couch over there, and it was a bunch of plastic bags on the couch. And I threw it over there, and it smelled really weird over there. Mm-mm. And we later found out that day that it was a person that was killed and was in those bags. Oh my god! So we never played down there again as a well, you know, yeah, result. terrified. But we didn't see anything. But we kind of just like we were literally playing over there. So it's something that I still kind of think of. Like they wow, say, if you smell here. death ever, yeah, you know it. Yeah, so it wasn't, like, direct, but it was close enough that I was like, oh, right, real life is right here. Right. Yeah, in this place that we're kind of having fun and, you know, kind of the teenage equivalent, the preteen equivalent of trolling old-ass dudes, and then it's like, oh, that was a person that was killed here. This is terrible. Yeah. Right. So did you grow up in Baltimore? Yes. And are your parents still here? Yes. And where did, what part of town did you grow up in? Eastside. Eastside represent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, I want to say up until, like, so it was originally, like, early, early on. It was originally from the west side, um, Dolphin Street, all of that stuff. Then moved over into Lafayette Projects on Orleans Street. Lived there for, like, five years and then moved out of there to, like, kind of the neighborhood I'm in now. And then from there to Govins right. over there near the senator. And right. then uh, I made the decision to buy a house actually in that old neighborhood, uh, the the Eager Street, Collington Square, that whole area. And because it, it always had, uh, I always saw like promise and in, in something there. And it was kind of, you know, that, that middle school area. Granted, you know, as I said a moment ago, 
you know, some some whack stuff happened over there, but I always kind of looked at that place as this area is kind of cool and it's not far from Patterson Park and, you know, middle school. And I had some really good times in middle school. So, yeah, it was kind of an area I wanted to move back into. So mostly East Baltimore. And it felt like home. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Yeah. I got to, to drive you home that yeah. night. I was I was really amazed at how, how gorgeous the there was all kinds of new development and your house was super sweet. Yeah. And you don't even have problems with Amazon people stealing your Amazon packages. Nah, I mean, that's awesome. I, I know. Get, I was so impressed. I was like, he still got his Amazon package. I get my mega fit there, too. All of my, my food box <laughs> comes there. And I do remember one point that it, it was really funny. I have a cat. And uh, sometimes, like, cause he's, he's got, like, he needs a very specific litter. And I was like... I don't like you. So I remember ordering the litter, and it was this one time where they didn't steal it, but they kind of ripped open the box, and they saw it was litter, and they was just, so, I they could totally like, remember. They were like, nope, we don't want this box. We're this not carrying bullshit. this. bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about your family. Are they still living in Baltimore? Yes. Um, so I have a... Um, I have a half-sister that lives here. My dad and mom, both of them are still here in Baltimore. My, my dad's in the, the county. He's in uh, Cockeysville. And my, my brother's in Middle River. Um, I have a, another half-brother that lives in New Mexico. So, yeah, all of, the, all of my folks are around and accessible, yeah. Did you graduate high school? Yes. Where did you go to school? Baltimore City College. Nice. Gang, gang, gang. Nice. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, that's a big deal in, in Baltimore. You need to know where you went to high school. It's not college, it's high school. Yeah, it is. Um, and, it, you know, it was always, sometimes I can tell who went to Poly. You know, it's just like, huh, you smell weird. The rival. Yeah. yeah. The rivalry. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, used to, I used to always, like, look, man, as a knight, uh, city knight, uh, you know, we have nobility. I was like, you, Polly, parrots, engineers, you have two mascots. I don't think you know who you are, uh, so I'll leave that to where it's at. <laughs> I, could, I could talk a little bit of the, the junk if I needed to. But, yeah, awesome. it's, it's, it's important to uh, – the high school thing is, is important. Um, in terms of college, went to Morgan State University, um, graduated from there, um, did the four-year four thing. And, yeah, it was um, – a lot of people looked at it as – this is regarded it as a junior college. I mean, it's not. I, I got it's it's an it's a university. It's an accredited university, um, and I got my business degree from there. And it was um, I learned a lot from there. It was a great experience. And you're using de- your degree today. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, using using it in in a way that I didn't think I would use it then. Like in in doing um, uh, business administration. I did the Bachelor's of Science, so it's more around like the analytics of things. So I use that in my day job, and I just remember being in, in business administration, uh, people would say like, oh, you're going to be a secretary. It's like, no, it's the analytics side of things. And also, fuck you for saying that. Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, it enables me to, I think, in learning so many different things that made up for that degree, it put me in a spot where I can do a lot. What I, in, in terms of it keeps me employed and does, does my day job, but even with this podcast, I can, you know, know a little web design stuff, but it's helped me do problem solving. That's been the main thing. Some marketing, problem solving, um, spreadsheets if I need to keep, like, an inventory of questions or people I've interviewed. So, yeah. In, invaluable tools. Absolutely. Really. So when did you realize you were creative? Uh, super early. Um, uh, it's one of those things I had a, um, an uncle. I never met him. Uh, he he passed away before I was born, but he was a visual artist, and it, it was kind of like 
when my parents and especially my grandparent and grandmother um, noticed that uh, I took a liking to like drawing and sketching, it was kind of like, oh, OK, let's help cultivate this. So here's Good. color pencils. Here's like drawing books and things like that. And uh, kind of went through that process. But I was always like drawing, sketching and I had the whole dream killer thing that happened with a, a school here that just told me I didn't have the talent for their program. So I kind of kind of killed my confidence in that was area. Was it Baltimore School for the Arts? Uh, it was a school for the arts that was in Baltimore. Okay. And um, so I kind of didn't, and, and that person was just not right. So I eventually, instead of being daunted, I just saw that I was more creative in other ways. Right. So started writing, wrote about some of the stuff I uh, witnessed in the projects and wrote into a short story and um, always had teachers that would find that, oh, you're actually writing about stuff, you're actually drawing or whatever, and trying to help cultivate what I'm doing. Uh, so I want to say, when I was in middle school, I did a whole comic book. Nice. You know, I did the whole drawing, the color, and all of that. And I just remember I used to, I was one of those students that would, I would run through my, um, I would run through my test, complete it quickly, so I could just draw. Right. So I would take the B, knowing that I was that you know smart or gifted or whatever, to just half-ass to like a B, B plus, just so I can draw. Like I'll do the test in five minutes so I can draw for the next 25. And uh, yeah, I remember uh, it was a teacher. I had this really cool drawing. I used to sell like drawings of X-Men in class because oh, even then I was enterprising. Uh, yeah. I, I remember she walked over there and she just took it, balled up, threw it in the <gasps> trash. And I was so heated about it. I was like, never again, you know? So um, it was a different teacher who saw that I was working on this comic book. And she was like, this is really good work. You've done all this by yourself. And I was like, yeah. And she ended up laminating it. And that was a really, like, cool kind of thing to really encourage me to stick with what I was doing. And I kind of had the same thing with creative writing in, in, in high school. And I, I did some rap stuff in high school and in college. And... Um, I always kind of had a recorder with me by the time I was of high school age. So I used to, this is so corny and stupid, but at City, I want to say freshman year because we were, it, was very, um, it was very competitive to stay there. So you weren't sure if everyone was going to be back there because they couldn't maintain the grades. And I was just interviewing people with the, the, the handheld recorder. Yeah, so tell me about your freshman year. Tell the Rob, I was speaking in third person like a jackass because I thought I was the rock. <laughs> different story, different story. And I think I still have that recorder. And um, so I was always at that time, that was probably my proto, proto, proto version of interviewing people. Right. And uh, I want to say once I got into having a day job and out of college, 2009 is when podcasting happened. Yeah. And just literally I was like burnt out at like 24 I went across the street. Uh, and so at that point, I was, like I so said, 22. I was working in, what, like Greenbelt, PG County, Silver Spring, kind of in that area. But I had the desire to getting back to Baltimore for, because I was working for Verizon. And I was like, if I can find a way to get back to Baltimore, that's really what I want to do. The commute was a bitch. It was just too much. So I got there, kind of got what I wanted, but the work situation really wasn't what I wanted. The location was, but the work itself wasn't. And I was like, I need something to balance this. I, was, I had a marketing job, and, but it was more marketing analytics, not really creativity. Right. So any little opportunity to do something creative, we did a sales video. It's a ridiculous uh, Nickelback song, I think called. <laughs> That's what I had to say was Nickelback. I think it's called Rockstar, and we changed the lyric to Sales Star. Oh, God. 
but it was a training video. Right. I was so, I hate that version of me because this is when like Soldier Boy Tell Him came out and I had the fucking, the Soldier Boy glasses to try to just amp up sales. I was doing all the things possible in part of my job. But now I'm like, I probably wouldn't do that. So, but you were so desperate to do something creative, yeah, and, so, it, and so, it was like finally something. Yeah, so it felt like they threw me a bone. So, um, at one point, um, we did this Halloween party that I organized, and uh, we had this bit because it was the uh, Multilingual Signals and Services. So it was called the MSSC, and we did this fake mafia thing. We did these vi- um, these vignettes of the salespeople. We were coming in. How many sales have you gotten today? And it was like, we were like, I need a percentage. It was right. it was kind of that. So we were doing little videos and I was like, we have legs for this. I was like, I need to be in a different environment and like maybe New York or something. So eventually I knew that wasn't going to happen. So at 24, burnt out. And I was like, I need to do something. I was like, I can talk about the news. I enjoy talking about the news. Let me get a recorder. Let me get some recording equipment. And I started listening to podcasts really heavy. And I remember listening to Kevin Smith say that he was using a Fast Track Pro. So I went across the street to Best Buy. I was working in the Hunt Valley office. Went across the street to the Best Buy that was out there and just spent like $400 on equipment. Didn't know how to use any of it and just started trying to get sound. And that's when, uh, I want to say in February, whenever free agency hit uh, for the NFL, that's when I recorded my first podcast complaining about Albert Hainsworth signing to the then Redskins. Nice. Yeah. And that was 2009? Yeah, 2009. Nice. Yeah, I believe I said it was a really short, like, five-minute thing, but I believe I said, I'm super fat. Where is my $100 million contract? I think that was what my wow. <laughs> that was what my complaint was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, you blossomed. Yes. You found this outlet. It clearly was bubbling up inside you even in high school. Yeah. You know, thank, thankfully, well, whoever that art school was that didn't want your drawings, it, it <laughs> sent you on a different path because you're quite the wordsmith. Well, thank so you. <clears throat> we're delighted that you found this passion. So tell me what the day, a day in the life of Rob Lee, what does it look like <laughs> these days, present day, 2021? Lots of masturbation. No. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so 2021, um, generally, it probably includes me getting up, what? 6.30, 7 o'clock, something like that. Uh, maybe a little earlier, but usually getting coffee, um, going through that process, getting, like, pretentious coffee, too. Getting, like, mm-hmm. really good co- coffee. Maybe a pastry, because, you, know, you know, unlike some of us in this room, I enjoy good pastry. Uh, <laughs> I and, enjoy good pastry. I'm just trying so hard not to. <laughs> yeah, I do have cupcakes in this bag over here, too. Oh, real don't, co- even no. tell me. don't even tell me. <laughs> so um, ha- enjoying that or what have you, um, and then going there, doing the day job, and, you know, having like these little breaks, doing the, um, what is it? Uh, it's a type of timer that you break up your day. Right. So it's like for every, like, for every hour, I might work 45 minutes out of every hour on somebody else's stuff. And then 15 of it, I'm going to work on my stuff. So I'll look at what, what, what interviews do I have coming up? And I'll start researching the guests just so I have an idea. Um, that's if I'm like, you know, you know if, I, if I'm actually working that day. If I'm off, then... I'm kind of breaking down my day. First half of the day, I'm going through questions. I'm going through other people's interviews to get a temperature on a potential guest. And once we get to around four or five o'clock, that's when the real magic happens. I get into podcasting. I get into doing that component. Somewhere I work out during the day in there, probably around noon. Uh, if not, if not um, after after four, but literally I'll do like seven, eight hour like work shift for the day job. And then probably three, 
probably three to four hours of like uh, podcast related stuff, whether it be editing a podcast, updating the website, or doing actual podcasts. Um, yeah, and then after that, it's eating the mega fit meal and watching wrestling illegally. <laughs> that's just what it is. It's like, oh yeah, that's a drop kick right there. Fantastic. That's so funny. Yeah, that's literally how the days go. So, tell me about. Um, <laughs> That's funny. The wrestling, I can just see with a little little bunny ears. Like, oh, I mean, not that's not how you do that now, I guess. You probably just have some modem cooked up to get I it. I am sitting there with a VPN on. I was like, all right, watchwrestling.com. Yeah, that is a real site. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there on the floor, legs crossed like, oh, man, that's a power slam. That's amazing. That's so funny. Oh, my God, when I was a kid. Oh, I grew up in the South. We were just such rednecks. Like, we used to watch wrestling on Saturday night. That was our big thing. Wrestling was a shit. Yeah. The fa- you know, the real real fake ones with the, you know, the personalities and all the uh-huh. theatrics. I mean, that show that, that that's on Netflix right now is so fascinating to me. The the one where they, it's called Outside the Ring. Oh, where yeah. they kind of interview all these, where they are now. And are, you, are you talking about Dark Side of the Ring? Dark Side of the Ring. Dark Side of the Ring is fire. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. So, where do you think you got this work ethic from? Because you have a tireless, <laughs> relentless work ethic. Do you think it came from your, your family of origin? Mm-hmm. Do you think it came from you know, the work ethic you saw as a child? Do you think it came from... I often ask myself these things, too, because I yeah. work tirelessly. Like yeah. I think you and I are very kismet in that way. Yeah. Um, I think part of it comes from... Uh, I, I, I always look back at my dad a little bit. Um, I was always kind of like, yo, this is the thing I'm supposed to do, so let me just do it. And I'm choosing to do it, so let's just put the effort in. And I think, you know, I look at my dad in some ways where he was, you know, multiple jobs. And he's kind of like, you got to just do it and do the thing. And I think... One of the things I learned from him later would be um, he used to find a way to finesse in, in one of his day jobs. He's like, as long as the work is done, it doesn't need to be that I'm doing it. So <laughs> he would find someone. He used to have a hoagie route in Little Italy. He's like, I'm going to pay this dude like $50 to clean this area up, and I'm going to take this full paycheck. It was like this whole move of finessing. Wow. And, it, and it just told me like to work smarter, take, take advantage of the resources that you may have. And, and be able to do that. Um, and that was coupled with this just notion of, I don't really miss time. I don't really get sick. I'm, if I'm supposed to do something, I'm probably going to be there and do it. Um, and I find, like, when you, you start doing things, like, let's say you give up on something or you decide not to do something, that just sets up a habit. And I hate just backing out of doing something. Sometimes it might be something that's a little anxious, that makes me a little anxious. It might be something that this is hard, this is gonna be a challenge, and I think when you back out of it, you're setting yourself up to continually do that. So right now, I guess, a testament to why I've kind of amped up this this work ethic, because it, it, it initially, I was doing um, like the Mastermind Team's Robcast, I was doing that once a week. And <laughs> I was doing that once a week. and. That would have the research and all of that, but literally it was a much smaller commitment. And then I started doing a couple other podcasts, this one and Let's Watch It Again, the movie review podcast. And it was just like, yo, if this is the thing that I'm doing, it's it's going to sound corny, but it's almost the Bukowski thing. It's just like, find what you love and let it kill you. That's <laughs> what a piece of it is for me. And just kind of going after it and just diving into it and... You know, sometimes it's like, all right, I need to factor in some breaks, but really just go after it and just do it and ride the wave. Yeah. When you interviewed me, you talked a lot about 
having time to do the things we do. And yeah. You and I both like talked a lot about that, and you talked about stacking, yeah, or networking to make time. And you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm always time deading. Yeah. I literally have make time tattooed on my, tattooed on my knuckles <laughs> because it's like. Just make the time. It will come. You have to prioritize, and the time seems to multiply. So tell me a little bit about that. Like how you—I mean, you've already <laughs> broken down pretty well how you manage your day job yeah. and the podcast yeah. and how you are so disciplined, like really disciplined. Thank you. Um, but stacking— and networking at the same time. I love how you break. Th- I mean, because I I do something very similar. Like yeah. I really love getting personal because business is personal, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of cool to be able to, you know, multitask. Yeah. So so stacking. Um, I got a piece of advice when I was a um, a um, contractual worker. I worked at um, Loyola University of Maryland and met this dude named Charles and. He, he introduced me to um, Timothy Ferris, um, some, of the, some of his book, The 4-Hour Workweek, right? And I'm not a great reader. I, I just, it doesn't keep my attention. I'll, I'll go, I'll like, like peel through an ebook. I'd rather get the content that way instead of let me read this and get distracted. Like the way that I consume, my, my means of consuming is an ebook. So, but I did read a fair amount of it. And it was talking about just the concept of how you can, like take advantage of different exchange rates and geez, just these different things to really free yourself up from the non-essential tasks. You still are the person responsible for these things, so if they're not getting done, it's still your ass in the sling. But it's almost a principle that my dad was doing. Of, exactly. Yeah, so um, I, I kind of took from that, without even reading everything else, like this is the lesson I'm supposed to get right here. And I started looking at things. I was like, all right, what can I do that I combine efforts? So I really wasn't in eBooks at the time, but that would be something that's an example now. So if instead of me listening to like, I'll listen to the same songs over and over again, because I just like the same songs, I'll listen to maybe an eBook to get something out of it that feels like it's enriching me culturally. It's like, oh, I learned something today. And I can add that to conversation and I can add, add that to the, the, the toolkit, right? Um, but then when, it, when I first like was aware of the 4-Hour Workweek, I just remember I was biking one day and I was trying to bike and read a book at the same time. And I was doing all right at it. And I was like, no, nah, this is not the version of it, but I'm headed, I'm, I'm, I'm at least aiming for combining these two things that feel like two separate things. And they have their same, they have their own requirements. I'm either reading a book and taking the time to do that, or I'm biking and taking the time to do that. But if I'm biking, my legs are only really the things that are engaged. So I started doing like, playing video games, something that's fun that makes me bike longer, thus, you know, oh, so, so, like, Jedi mind trick yourself yeah. and keep the reading as a separate mm-hmm. way. And, and I, you're I, talking about stationary bike. Yeah, stationary bike, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, stationary bike. Uh, and I think the other thing is that because of the skills that are required there, it enables you to multitask a bit yeah. more because if you're, like, doing terrible in a video game, which happens to be a lot, I'm like, I am getting the fuck off this bike. Like, the video game doesn't stop. It's just like, I'm getting off the bike, you know? <laughs> but um, combining those two different things, it enables you to kind of focus um, on those separate things and kind of really be into what you are doing. Right. Um, and the networking component is, I think, sometimes, I, I, I've, I had a conversation about this actually this evening, about f- making sure you're not doing things that feel transactional. So you might want to cultivate a relationship with someone or friendship with someone or whatever 
and you're like, all right, how do I do this while not taking away from time that I need to do something else? So it might be, I need to go to this event because I should be there. Um, some One of my friends is having a showing, one of my friends is selling some stuff. Let me cultivate that while being involved in this scene. And it's like, I'm networking in that way and I'm stacking two, in my mind, separate things of looking out for a friend and saying hi to a friend being there for a friend while also potentially being involved in this art community. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all about the multitask. Yeah. Have you heard of Rob Dial? I have not. Okay, he's a guy you might want to check out. He he has this thing called the, it's called um, the Law of 100. Okay. And it's saying that 100 days creates a new uh, habit. I mean, it's not a new idea, mm -hmm. but like in psychology, it's like, 90 days of doing the same thing over and over will get you a habit, gotcha. form a habit, change a habit, change a mindset. So he's somebody I've been listening to. He's called my, Rob Dial the mindset, Mindset Mentor. He says, if you practice something 100 days, you'll become more successful with your craft. Do you practice anything like that? Uh, Seems like pretty obviously this, for sure. Uh, yes, um, and in trying to tweak and get better at it, um, and even just like, like for instance, um, I, I was when I was talking to Yuri before we got in here, uh, I was telling him about like early, early episodes of the podcast. I didn't have the rapid fire questions in there. I didn't have certain elements, and my questions weren't. They were very novice questions, and I'm not saying that I'm an expert or anything now, but I try to ask more informed, more thoughtful questions and really think about what I'm aiming for. I try to approach it with intention more than, hey, let me just ask you questions. And some of them were, I remember one of my early questions um, in a podcast, I think it was with um, Ducky Dynamo, shout out to Ducky Dynamo, was, um, what's your favorite curse word? And I was like, that's the question that still thinks fits. I, I love that one. That <laughs> was one of my favorites. But it's definitely a question I stole from... Um, What's the dude that it does it inside the uh, actor studio? Uh, it was that dude, uh, James Lipton, mm. and he used to be a he was a pimp back in the day, which was hilarious. They described him back in France in the 1960s. He was a purveyor of women. I was like, hold up, what? A purveyor of <laughs> I was women. Like, he was a pimp. That's what it was. That is hysterical. I was like, uh. I need to have that as a backstory. Like, yeah, no, yeah, 2000. That's your next catch, like purveyor of women and podcaster. Huh? Uh, whatever, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> so what, tell me how you choose people to, to interview on your podcast. Um, like the people approach you or do you mostly approach them? I, I it's, I'll say it's like 90% me approaching. And there are, there are some attempts where, where there are some instances where people will reach out like, yo, I got this thing. Um, I've gotten a little bit more discerning about it. Um, so the let's see the the calendly site right so i use that now to kind of filter through because sometimes people just don't give you the stuff that you need and it's like yo i need bio information i need stuff like that so i use that as a filtering mechanism um to know if you want to invest the time to invest the time and also like are you taking this serious because sometimes like i've had a, you know some people that i get on that don't take it as as serious as i'm taking it and i'm putting in what i'm putting in so i try to vet that a little bit better um, but I, I guess the main way that I kind of sort it out is like being a, being aware, taking referrals, being like, all right, who's who's doing stuff? Um, sometimes if it's a market that I'm not familiar with, like I'm trying to be more involved in markets that are similar. So like Philly, New York, D.C., 
I'll, I'll network. I'm like, yo, so who's popping here? Who, who's doing stuff here? And reach out and kind of look at their artwork and say, do I like this? Is this interesting? And check out interviews even before I reach out just to see if they would fit uh, into a conversation I want to have. Does it does it make sense? Um, so, yeah, that's that's the main way. It's just like look for a fit and kind of do some research. Yeah. What, what's your most favorite interview? <laughs> so, I mean, I'm sure I know that's so hard. No, no, no. Um, but is there any one that like sticks out? Um, I I won't say the person because the episode. Well, the episode will be out by the time this posts. Um, it, it's probably anybody that's involved in radio. Um, I'm a radio nerd. Uh, it's been something that I really wanted to have uh, just connection to. And, and, and granted, there have been some really cool people that I've had on and really good interviews. And I, and I could be gauche and say all of them my favorite. But right. the LaFontaine Oliver one was really good. Um, Sam Sessa was really good. Aaron Hankin was really good. Yeah, and, Sam Sessa, that was great. And, and then learning something from them, being people that— And Aaron um, Hankin, yeah. And being the people that are involved in that, that radio industry and— kind of it, it enables me to learn more um aaron brown's interview was really good too and you know i'm friendly with all like pretty much i look at it this way if i have my number in your phone and vice versa we're friends take it or leave it that's that's just kind of how it is and um i think the ones that are the best the ones that you're able to connect and it's like yo we're vibing in a different level later um and even if i invite you on to other things so I've had Isaiah Winters on, photographer, really great photographer. He's been on a couple of the movie podcasts, and that's been great. And um, Sam was on one of the movie podcasts. If you haven't had the chance, you got to check out the uh, one that we did for uh, Terminator 2. That was a lot of fun. Nice. And, um, but, yeah, I think the ones that feel more like a conversation, they, they're, they're good. Um, even the one that you and I did, you know, it's right here in front of me. But even that one, it when it doesn't feel like it's a – a interview feels more like a conversation. Those are good. Um, the Rebecca Hoffberger one was good too. Yeah, I like yeah, that one a lot. She's zany. Uh, yeah, you've yeah. had some great. You've really done. Yeah. You've done great. I Thank mean, you. the people you've picked and your work ethic just really. It's very impressive to me. Thank you. Um, any jaw dropping moments? Like, hold. Oh shit! Like, what just happened? Any of those? Um. Not, not really. Uh, they're they're relatively controlled, and I'll, I'll say that because the majority of them have been in um, via via Zoom. I, 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 so I had to look at the ones that were in person, and I the one that was kind of like, okay, this is a little different, um, was the one with Easy Jackson, and that was early, early, early on, um, and. Uh, I think that was when Trump was talking really spicy about Baltimore, and he started mm. off, fuck that orange bitch. <laughs> That's what we started off the podcast with. I was like, oh, okay, cool. This is what we're doing. And I was like, this is this is great. Um, and, uh, the, and probably the one with Chris Amendola from Forge, when we kind of learned more about his story, and I felt like we got the, me and my man, uh, my, my uh, ex-co-host, uh, Dan, we had a uh, conversation about um, Chris's past, and we talked with him about some of his, um, his, his journey or what have you, and I was like, oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't expect it to be the story. And it, it was just very organic and it was a natural conversation. And me and Chris are friends now. And I think that was the beginning of us developing a friendship. So 
I think it's more so the Easy Jackson one was like, okay, this is this is great. Um, but the uh, the 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 Chris one was like, oh, okay, this is was unexpected, and all of them are good. But when you have certain degrees of unexpected, uh, maybe tone or maybe what we're talking about, it's like, oh, interesting. Yeah. And I do have some 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 things where it's like, hmm, surprised I got that person. Hmm, you said yes. Hmm, let me hurry and do this before you realize I'm a piece of shit and I'm a hack. Oh, yeah. don't you say that. <laughs> I'm a hack, though. But <laughs> well, I was going to ask, like, where's your main source of inspiration from? I mean, I know you, you're an avid reader. You listen to other podcasts. Like, what really inspires the show? Um, it, this, this desire to kind of disprove people. Um, I, I, you know, I've always lived here. And really, I think it comes from looking at and loving Baltimore and kind of recognizing that it's not a number, it's not murder rates, it's not a percentage of crime and all of this different shit. It's really these are individuals that are, are here that make up this city. Mm. And I think it's people. If we start off from there and just kind of like, what are the issues that are here that we're not uncovering, that we're not discussing, that is contributing to these issues that are here? It's not a matter of saying the issues don't exist because they do, but the, the the thing is really talking about the good stuff that's going here. It's not a matter of, you know how people say we're changing the narrative? No, 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 no. We're adding to the narrative. We make it a more fleshed out holistic narrative of what really goes on here. And I think a lot of times the culture, the arts, the small business, all of this stuff is left left out of the conversation. And, and it literally is the is the soul of this town. Yes. And that's that's really what drives it, this desire to prove people wrong. It's like, oh, you're a racist or you're full of shit. And it's like, I'm going to disprove it. I'm going to show you that this person does really good work here. These people have a really great business and really show that. That's what I aim to do. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you. I mean, it's a great, this is our, it's an underdog town. Yes. Right? And like, I love watching it. It's just growing up and shining. It just feels more. So I applaud that. Same here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I actually got a Baltimore tattoo. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's that's how that that means I really am from here now. Yeah, that, that that's the thing when you when it's like um, I told someone like, "Yo, get a Rob Lee tattoo. Show me it's real. Mm-hmm. Show me it's really real." That's right. I have a Street Fighter tattoo, so I guess Capcom, you got me. Um, let's get let's get it. Let's do it. <laughs> you know. So, what's your middle name? My middle name actually is Lee. Okay, so okay, uh-huh. I was gonna ask about Rob Lee, the name uh-huh. Rob Lee. Uh huh. Being yeah. a black man uh-huh. with the name Rob Lee. Uh, yeah, so the full I was name... going to die if your name was Robert E. Lee. I was just going to die. That's that's actually uh, a running bit that my... Because I'm a junior. That's a running bit that my dad would have to hear all the time. And he's like, fuck that noise. And he's like, don't call me Bobby. None of that shit. My name is Robert Lee Watkins Jr. That's a good name. Yeah, well, thank you. That's yeah. a nice name. Yeah, I get mistaken for white all the time. For huh. a white all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Noted white man. Uh, but yeah... Uh, Rob Rob Lee just kind of fits, um, and it's, part of it comes out of this whole, um, what is it, the numerology thing of, like, what, it, I saw this thing the other day where it's like, what name does someone call you, and what, what name do you want to be called, and all of that, and apparently they have some dealings with numerology, so. Interesting. If, because it's numbers associated with each of the letters, so. If someone calls me Rob, it's like, okay, that's how maybe they perceive me, but how do I perceive myself? I call myself Rob Lee. And I like to have that almost as a title. Right. Um, like but Bruce Lee. Yeah. But, and I'm actually doing an ebook on Bruce Lee right nice. now. Um, Be Water or what have you. Uh, 
but if someone's like, oh, Robert, I'm like, am I in trouble? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, right. it's like, oh, what did I do? But um, yeah, uh, someone calls me Lord Lee or Wave Daddy. It's like, Lee, we're in a different wave right here. We're in a different angle. <laughs> I got called Wave Daddy a few times. I was like, I'll take it. That's so, what is your personal mission statement? Um, get rich or die trying. Okay, that's a good one. That's, that's ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if I'm really working with one um, as much as there. There are certain things I try to abide by, but I don't know if it's a, a set mission statement. But really, it's just try to just try to do good stuff. Um, and just look at the duality in things. Like there are some things that are that on one side look kind of crappy, and on the other side is like, no, that's actually good. And I think that's probably how I look at Baltimore. Yeah. And even that's some of the themes and the tattoos I have. Like I have a food dog. I have a an oni, and it's like, oh, that's a demon. It's like, no, nah, not really though. So looking at that kind of duality, like it might to some people look like a bad thing, but to other people who are familiar with it, it's a good thing. So. That's how I try to approach what I'm doing. So um, it might be like, oh, you're, you know, you're just talking about this city, you know, and this city is bad, but you're just a homer for your city or what have you. It's like, no, there's a lot of good stuff here. Oh, man, there's so much. I mean, people, the perception outside looking into the city is like, it's just so it's so dangerous. It's so crime ridden. It's, yeah. you know, and you're like, no, no, these souls that make up mm -hmm. this city are magical. Yeah. No matter what side they're on. I believe Baltimore is a portal, right? It feels like I was going to ask you if you had any lucky numbers, if you had any superstitious stuff, because you and I have are definitely vibing <laughs> online with my my lucky numbers. But I feel like that, yeah. too. Yeah. Like this town has broken me apart personally and professionally and put me back together yeah. more than once. Like yeah. it's humbled me many times and and always got me to like bring my best even, you know, trying, continuing yeah. to try. But it's the souls, whether they're addicts on the street mm -hmm. or artists creating art or musicians creating music or, or whoever like there's just magic here and i think that like that was something that that gets captured by the david simon stuff or what have you and like i was recently watching um treme and it just like i didn't appreciate it when it first came on and like kind of blowing through like that first season and like you know a couple weeks ago and and just looking at it i was like yo this just feels like this was the other side of the wire that had nothing to do with the drugs. It just had, this was the cultural side of the wire. Like, we could have that show. Instead of it being the New Orleans way, we could have that show just covering the cultural side because it's as rich right. here as it is there. It's different, but it is as rich as it is here, uh, as, as it is there. But we were telling, you know, that particular story, and that story has its merits, but, you know, they weren't telling the culture of Baltimore. And I think that that's a lot there. And that's kind of one of the things that I'm not really in a in a position to do it. But that's one of the things that I would hope this podcast does is kind of say, yo, why aren't we talking more about this? Why aren't we talking more about the culture here instead of getting a few crumbs here and there to say, yeah, let's talk about this. But it has another slant attached to it to get it moving. So instead of. It, it, you have elements of erasure. You have people who aren't really covering the more holistic view of this is the Baltimore club scene. This is the Baltimore art scene, the black Baltimore art scene. We get, you know, certain things. We'll get like maybe a few crumbs on some John Water stuff. We might get some stuff for maybe Devin, maybe D. Watkins. But it's, it's few and far between. And I think there's so much stuff going on here that we just 
kind of jump over because there's not a lot of opportunity that gets presented here, I think. Yeah, because people are scared of black culture, right? Yeah. And it's a very black city. It's over 60% black here. But it's that's what makes it so magical. Yep. It's the souls that are here. It's And it's so important. Well, I can go on a tangent, but it's so important for me because, you know, I travel in a million different walks. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I'm like, listen, I love everything about my neighborhood and the corner store Mm -hmm. and the kid that just got shot. I mean, I I was at the guy's vigil and my heart broke for his family. And like they were they thought I was going to come, like, ask him to clean this stuff up because they had put, you know, there was a vigil outside. And I went over there to, like, pay respects. And they were like, we're going to clean this stuff up. Don't worry. I'm like, I'm not I'm here. I'm just here to pay my respects. I'm not trying to police you like I love this kid Mm -hmm. (laughs) he was my neighbor you know um and and I go up to the county and I'm having these conversations with my people my white friends that I mean you know up and they're just like it's a different town I'm like it's just racism that's all we're talking about here Mm -hmm. is fear yep and and that's that's the thing like um you know they talk about this is a a city of apartheid it's a city of uh segregation and all of those different things and I, there are multiple Baltimores. You have a, a, a queer gay part of Baltimore. You have a creative parts of Baltimore. You have black, white, whatever. And, you know, I think that having that, that unity under the banner of it being Baltimore, that's the other thing that kind of drives it. It's like, yeah, the main connection, at least from the podcast as it is now, is, you know, it's Baltimore. And as I extend um to try to be more inclusive of kind of other cities that really fit into the ethos of what I'm looking for of which cities have a reputation of this. Maybe it's a bad city or it's a city that doesn't have this in there. Those are the stories that start to interest me more. And it kind of came out of like Baltimore is a bad city, hard stop. No, we let's, let's delve into this pillow's onion back a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What other cities are interesting? Um, I like, I I love New Orleans, obviously. Yeah, so God. That's 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 one that's in there. It's just like me having the exploratory kind of thing. Like I want to learn a little bit more about like Oklahoma and um, like Wall Street, things of that nature. Um, Philly, uh, different parts of just cities that I've traveled to, and it maybe gives me the impetus to go there and actually learn more about the art, the culture that's there, and really kind of uncover some stuff or present and amplify some stuff if I'm, if I'm able to. You know, I might just ultimately just say, eh, no, not really worth it. I need to really focus my work here, but that's where I'm kind of extending to and really looking at things regionally but keying in on the arts and the culture of these cities that I don't think are amplified in, in enough and may have a reputation of being quote-unquote bad. Right. So that's really your focus for 2023 is to kind of... Uh, yeah, 2022 to 2023, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm already in 2023. It's not even 2022 yet. <laughs> I think it's going to be weird. 2002. Don't you think it's going to be kind of weird? It's a six, numerology wise. I know, right? Yeah. What does that mean? It just feels like... It's a lot of twos. Yeah, yeah. but they're backward. You know, it's like 2002. So there's got to be something. The world's going to explode. I mean, it feels like <laughs> it might, right? Like 2021 was 2020 kind of one. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, 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 I just remember, I just remember I had so many people hitting me up. Like I was out there living in the jungle during this time, I think. Uh, in what is it? 20, no, was it 2012? And cause the world was supposed to end. Right. And just people hit me up. No, Man. it was 2000. 
Well, Wasn't it Y2K? Yeah, it was Y2K, but also it was that, that weird Mayan calendar. They oh, said, yeah, 20, oh, right, uh, 2012, right. everything's supposed to end. And then he got it down to a very specific date. And I was like, I don't know if any of this is real. I'm going to keep eating honey buns. Right. Because that's what I was doing, eating honey buns. I was super broke at the time. And just the, the girl I was dating, she just hit me up. She's like... Well, since the world's ending, we might as well just be together and we could just die together. I was like, I don't think I want to die with you. I don't think that's part of the plan. I want to yeah. die with my equipment. That's a pretty good That's a pretty good turning point in a relationship. Yeah, like, yeah I'm not going to choose you. I'm like, nah, I'm going to choose this podcast equipment. So I, was, funny. I was hugging my microphones and shit. So how can, how can, what's the best way to spread the word about the podcast? Um, I mean, you are yeah. all over. I, I've been loving your Twitter feed. I mean, not your Twitter feed. What's it called? TikTok. Yeah. Your TikToks are great. Like, you're all over it. Your your work ethic is incredible. Yeah. Uh, I guess the best way to really, um, one, leave, leave reviews um, on the- um, On Apple. On Apple. Um, share with the fine folks, like people you think that might like this type of content. And buy some merch. Wear a shirt in public. Mm-hmm. People are going to ask. Is that, it has my cartoon face on it. So right. people are going to ask. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely just kind of spreading the word and, and just sharing it. Like, um, I used to have this adage I used to use or the saying I used to use, don't just like my shit, share my shit. And, right. And, and that's really what it is because um, it's not as much about me being the, the face and, you know, there's one reason why, you know, it's not my actual face. It's an animated face on there. And that's what a local art is because it matches the ethos of what I'm trying to do. But, really, if I can – I love hearing when – Someone gets back to me and it's like, yo, I listened to, I learned about this artist. I like hearing about that more than, Rob, You were, that was a really great interview. I was like, I don't care about how I did on the show. Right. I care about, did this interview connect you to somebody new? Did this interview lead to you selling any paintings? Did this interview lead to you getting new business? That's the things I like to hear about because it means what I'm aiming to do in this kind of connective tissue space is helping. Right. And, and that's really what I like and really get off on. It's yeah. cool. Okay, yeah. good. That's good to know. Um, what are your professional goals for 2022? Um, professional goals. Uh, I I want to do a few art talks, um, like live ones. Where people are showing their art and they're standing there talking about their work. Yeah. Um, so if it's one of those things where, and this is ridiculous, but maybe, you know, I'm kind of riding a hot streak, but if I could impart, curate, something at like let's say a motor house or even like here what have you there's space here and with it have a talk with the artist whose work is being showed at the space that's something i want to want to do all i see is you in that little recorder <laughs> recording which yeah, yeah. still works i mean yeah, yeah. that's still totally relevant yeah um and um movie screenings um so it's this project i want to do about uh, baltimore movies or movies that have a connection to baltimore and kind of paying homage to an uncovering, right? Um, just, hey, you know this is filmed here, right? And really just kind of talking about the movie and maybe the significance of the area it was filmed in or maybe why uh, the filmmakers decided to call it, let's say, D.C. or Philly, again, going with that connection instead of Baltimore. Right. Um, and really, it's just kind of continually rocking and rolling, but moving in a way that kind of makes sense for where I see see this going. Um and I uh, want to be, you know, you know, noted as best of Baltimore. That's that's the thing. That's one of those goals that's sitting there. And uh, yeah, yeah, you know, regular regular content, being out there in the community and just continually rocking it. So for people who don't understand how much, it, I mean, there, it's hard to probably get paid for your time yeah. and your energy. Sure. Yeah. So when you get sponsorships, uh, what does the sponsorship really cover? It's really just studio time. 
Um, it, it covers um, part of the operational costs. Uh, so I, I have an editor, so it, it generally covers the editing. So as you can see, um, as I was telling you before we got started, I got, uh, I think, today, the two today, and next week will be eight. So that's ten interviews right there. And my editor is a good rate, but your, your general rate is probably like a dollar per minute. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing like a 60-minute yeah. interview... That adds up really quickly. Yeah. That's just $600 for editing. Right. So I'm not paying that same route, but that same rate, but um, I'm paying probably two-thirds of that. So, you know, if I'm coming in with a batch of podcasts that need to be edited, you know, you want to pay your editor and you want to make sure that they are taken care of and all of that. So literally that one sponsor in a month will cover 10 podcasts. So when you, do you have sponsorship packets that people could yeah. help? And what do they start at? Um, so um, they're study start off at a month. Uh, they're they're a month plan. Well, sign up for three months. It's a three month thing, and they start off at one fifty a month. And they go up to if you really want to get like sexy with it. Not sexy is not the word. I'm not doing OnlyFans, but uh, <laughs> they go to like four hundred a month and. You know, you can see it. It's like you know, you get the you get the live reads in the podcast, and they're um, they're highly they're hyper targeted. So, if you're a local business here, you're encountering people that are probably going to come to your place right. that are going to listen to this podcast and check you out um, and go there. And it's basically to get you know butts and get feet, get foot traffic, get people to come there to your place. Um, so, and I try to over deliver with it. Um, so people will sign up. They'll get a you know a couple slots, and they're their slots. Period. I'll write the copy for them, um, do graphics, all of that stuff, and it's their slots. So a lot of times when you pay for ads with um, different podcasts, is um, what would they call dynamic insertion. So after that month you've paid, then they swap out your ad for some other ad. Right. And once you've bought an ad slot with me, it's in there for for the future. So. Um, for new listeners, they're going to be long after you've paid, you know, they're going to be aware of your brand and your messaging and will likely come there and check out your stuff. And, you know, I, I will say it's one time where I went to Diablo Donuts and uh, he was doing ads with me at one point and he came out, had a long ass line and he was like, thank you for fucking ads, bro. Aww. And I was like, you're welcome, man. I was like, oh, you give me donuts, too? This is fantastic. Nice. <laughs> Ads and donuts. This is great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a helpful thing. And it's, you know, you're keeping the money within the community. I'm a local small business entrepreneur or art entrepreneur. That's not a word. Um, but it's also just a tie to, you know, I, I, like I said, I do a lot of extra ads just because. And to me, it's an endorsement. You, you endorse people that you like what they do, and I don't just bring on any company or any business. It's like, I kind of like what you're doing, you know, because I think here you try to sell authenticity and in a meaningful way. You're not trying to, like, sell someone that I'm a really authentic guy, but you want to do things that are aligned with you being authentic and being trusted. So that's what I try to do, and that's the type of small businesses or people I want to partner with and even guests to go back to that question. Yeah. Do you have any romantic goals for 2022? None. At all. None. None at all. Are you team single? No. Okay. Yeah, but um, no, I, I have a few. Just, you know, again, kind of like rocking and rolling or what have you and uh, having fun. Yeah. Just having fun. Doing the, uh, doing the, the, the ridiculous dates. Uh, the, the, the girlfriend, I like to, um, whenever, whenever March comes around, that's her birthday, it's always something super expensive that I'm doing. So she likes hotels. So... General, it's like, all right, let's go to the bygone. Let's just have dinner there. 
and then it's me wearing something ridiculous, her wearing a nice dress, looking beautiful as always, me just looking like a cartoon character in a Carhartt shirt and like dress shoes, because that's just how I dress. Uh, but yeah, just kind of just kind of rocking and rolling and, and doing doing some good stuff, probably some travel. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Just kind of keeping, you know, keeping the flow, making things make sense. And um, yeah. I'm a very simple dude. I mean, you. I have said that you have a good work ethic about four hundred times, and it it really does. It it really is remarkable to me how hard you work. And I don't think people understand sponsorship. Yeah. I, you know, I know it's not my job is to ask about money and all that yeah. stuff, but man, it it matters. Like you're spending, I would say. 80% of your mental energy <laughs> it's a, thinking about your work, your art. It's, it's a fair amount. And I, I will say there are all those things in those times where, and I'm, I imagine you run into this well being a creative and being in the, the, the business side of things as well, where you're just like, I need to reset. And I, uh, with, with the, 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 the travel component sometimes, so like a lot of my extra discretionary income goes into the podcast. So, not only is it the mental component, but it's, you know, you, you find your dream, you find your passion. Um, but the way that I recharge is I like to get away from the scene that I am so I can have a different perspective to come back through to it with a different energy. So I'll try to go to a city that has, like, cool art, check out some stuff, go to some museums, go to ridiculous coffee shops. So that's that's something else that I would want to do a little bit more of, get back to, like, traveling. And COVID's a piece of it, obviously, but... I'm a, I'm a dude that romances the train. Mm-hmm. I like riding the train. So if it's somewhere I can go on the train, uh, I like go like the last place I went to was Rhode Island and uh, Providence. And it was great. You know, went to a lot of restaurants, spent way too much money, ate way too much. But I did work out a couple of times and uh, tried coffee at this one chain that was there. But I went to all three of their locations in that week because I love coffee and did the mu- museum stuff and checked out their kind of different cracks and crevices of their culture not the touristy stuff but the other stuff that's what i like to do too and that's what i like to do i like to get dipped me too i don't like i don't like any of that hollywood (laughs) typical don't ever put me on a cruise ship i I just don't want any part of like the generic tourist experience it's so funny because my family of origin like that's all they like i'm like no 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 i want to eat at the the speakeasy i want to find the restaurant that's not that that is not on the web you know i want I want to be authentic in this town. I like to get the I like to get dipped into it and I think part of it is like like so the three I think it's three three times I've gone to New Orleans like the first time I went down there by myself and I, <laughs> I just remember Was it overwhelming? Um no uh not not for me. I, I didn't realize I was just dumb and uh, I was going through a breakup at the time and it was kind of like it was a trip that I was supposed to go see the girlfriend that I broke up with and she was like, I'm breaking up with you. So I was like, I guess I'm going to New Orleans instead then. So I ended up going down there and I was just like kind of just having a good time. And and I just didn't know anything. Like I stayed near the airport. So I was like, I don't know about the city. I don't think I can afford it, man. So I was just taking the bus from the airport into the French Quarter every day. And I remember going on this tour that was um, a scandal tour. So going to these different bars and... It, it, it was like a one story where it was a guy that killed his like girlfriend and he had her head and like it was ridiculous but had her head like in a crock pot I was like this is real or no but I just remember being on a tour with these two older white women and they were like are you here by yourself I was like I am it was like maybe a little nervous like well you're you are a big black guy so you should be fine I was like 
this is slightly offensive. I was like, this is hilarious. What is wrong with people? And then next they were like, and to the vampire part of the tour. I was like, but I'm also on this fucking ridiculous tour, so, eh. And when you're in New Orleans. Microaggression. Uh, yes. That's a microaggression. It, it was, it, I thought it was hilarious, but yeah, it was super weird. I was like, it's, yeah, you It's intense. It. It's intense. Yeah. Like, my girlfriend's family, they live in Alabama. We yeah. go down there. I don't see a person of color the entire time. Yeah. And as soon as I get back to Baltimore, I mean, I'll be in the airport. And I'm like, thank God, some <laughs> fucking black people. Like, yeah. holy shit. <laughs> like, it is so white. I, I just can't. You know, that's. And, and, the, and, thing, the, and thing the thing that I liked about New Orleans in terms of that dynamic there, because you, you have the white folks there, you have the black folks there and, you know, kind of every everybody else, I guess, um, without to really try to typify anyone. And it's kind of under that banner. But. I think when you see it, like the South is a different vibe. Like I've been in, I've been to South Carolina. I've not been to Alabama, but I've been to South Carolina. The first time I was down there, I went on that first leg of that initial New Orleans trip. Not my favorite. The second leg, I was already on the defense and kind of like, all right, what's going to happen here? And uh, I remember it was this like one white lady that was there in this place we went to to get some seafood, and she kind of looked at me weird, and I was like. Mm, but I'm used to people looking at because I'm so big. And she was like, it's a good sweet tea, isn't it? I was like, oh, shit, she's just, like, loving food. She's a foodie. I was like, all right, cool. Right. And because, you know, you got to be on the defense a little bit. So I was like, I know where I'm at. We were in Hilton Head, too. So it's like. Oh, yeah. But also, you have more to worry about with the alligators that are walking randomly than the, the people that are there. Right. That's the lesson I learned in going to. Uh, the Deep South. Hilton Head. Well, that's very touristy and pretty. Actually, we've never been. Hilton is the shit. I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, there's a million places I want to go. I have a couple goals that I'm working on this in the next couple years. You're going to get those, though. You're gonna I'm going to get them, man. I want to travel. I want to see this this country. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to go to other countries, too, but I'd like to start here, you know? I need to, I need to there's something that I want to do in Vermont. I want to go to Maine. I've ridden my bike from, you know, I was in really good shape and riding bicycles, which personally is my favorite place, way to, to explore a city, yeah. is to go get a bike, one yeah. of those rental bikes, and just ride. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I've done, I'd, I'd love to ride my bike across country. Like, I've always wanted to be in shape enough and have the time yeah. to do that. So, I want to be invited to different cities to do live podcasts. To in interview people. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be fire. That's a good goal. Yeah, that'll be fire. Um, I have a few contacts, um, people, friends actually, in uh, Chicago, and I've done the virtual ones with them. Uh, it's blur.radio, so shout out to them. And, you know, having those conversations of blurdy, blurdy uh, podcast conversations and, you know, one of the things that I run into is that, that vibe of like imposter syndrome because you, you think about it, it matters to you. And, um, but yeah, I, I, I feel like there's a fair amount of crossover appeal because I'm, a, I'm an individual with varied interest. And, um, and just like, that's, that's where it starts off. It's like, am I interested in this? And then kind of go from there. Right. Yeah. Back hurting. Always. Damn. You got to roll. Do you roll and stretch and do all that stuff? I just need my girlfriend at George Jefferson my back. What's that? You know when when he would um, walk on the big guy's back in the Jeffersons? Oh, I forgot. I don't remember that. I should. Yeah, he had, uh, the, one of their neighbors had a bad back and George would walk on him. Oh, that's so funny. No, Will she do small. it? She, Does she live with you? No. Okay. <laughs> nah. I have too many cool things going on there. <laughs> nice. It's just too much equipment going on there. Oh, we, 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 have a, we have a plant together. His, nice. name is, his name is Nakamura. Is he living? 
Yes, he's so a. You're doing good. I got a new plant last week. Yeah, yeah. He's a kokodama. I got a new plant last week too. He's a bonsai tree. Cool. Yeah. Well, listen, that was fun. Yes. So you, you, we wrap it up here. I think so. I, I feel like we're. I feel like we did it. We did. So there you have it, folks. Uh, so, so thank you for interviewing me. This is that was uh, super fun. Yeah. So uh, for, for 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 Kelly, I'm Rob Lee, saying that there's Rob Lee in around your city. You just gotta look for Rob Lee. Yeah. That's how I end that. <laughs> <laughs>